welcome back to another episode of the NRL Hunter podcast brought to you by Six Hour. I am here with one of my very, very, very good friends, Mr. Mark Bean. Mark, how Hello. you doing, brother? I am fantastic. How about you guys? Oh, man, I'm so excited. We're, we're right in the middle of hunting season. We've got a ton going on. Um, NRL Hunter match schedule for 2023 was just released, so... It's uh, it's been a great day. A lot of exciting things happening, man. Good, good. I'm excited for the whole season of this as well, and the hunting. Being a newbie hunter, I'm kind of really excited to see how this season goes. Right. So, there's a couple of reasons I asked Mark to be on the podcast. Number one, he's a friend of mine, and he's been helping me out with some hunting stuff. He has a hunt coming up. But if you guys aren't familiar with who Mark is, um. Mark is a NRL hunter match director, co-match director of the, the ghost hunter match in Arizona. Uh, and we'll talk about that later on if we get some time. Um, but Mark is also a, like, I don't know what the exact word verbiage is, so correct me, but he's a master uh, blade maker. He makes these awesome Damascus knives that are just pieces of art, but functional art. Um, Mark, tell us about cool beans knives real quick. So people can kind of, put an association together uh cool beans knives well that's me i definitely uh, strive to make functional art uh, a lot of hunting and skinning knives and kitchen knives um it's just kind of something that kind of happened along i'm still figuring out all the growing pains of trying to get things done in timely manners but uh it's just my goal is just to make these beautiful pieces that you can hand down to your next generations that just work and hold an edge and, you know, you're proud to show off. So uh, that's kind of my thing. And uh, since like Travis said, I do have a hunt coming up. I better get to making one for myself since I don't even own one myself currently. So <laughs> got to get on the ball here. Isn't it funny how that works? It's like you have this whole business and following for this artwork, these knives that you make, and wow. you haven't even done one for yourself, bro. How's it going to be? You show up to to the hunt, and I've got Mark Bean knives, and you're like, can I borrow my knife? <laughs> right. Well, every time I make one, somebody always ends up wanting to buy it, so it just goes away, and I never get to use one. So uh, I did use one for the first time this last fall when I shot my first coos deer, and uh promptly gave it to the guide that was helping me with the hunt. So, um, you know, I, I did get to try one out though for <laughs> a while I cut my deer up, but, uh, they're, uh, it's pretty cool. So I'm gonna make one with the ugliest possible handle that you could ever imagine. So nobody wants it. <laughs> there <way>. you go. <laughs> but th there'll be somebody out there. That's like, that is so oddly weird that I want it. I'm sure there will be. I've just, I've got this orange and green ugly handle material I'm putting on this scanner and I'm just, I'm afraid it's going to look kind of oddly cool though in the same sense. You just, <laughs> so. said, you just said orange and green. Those are like NRL colors. Well, it, wait till you see it. It's, it's. <laughs> I'm excited to see it. I think it's, even if you try to make it ugly, it's going to come out badass. Right. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, so, <laughs> but, uh, no, it's just, you know, it, it's kind of cool to, uh, make something that so many people like and enjoy. Um, I really do like getting the feedback from people when they're excited, how they use their knife and it worked well. And, um, most importantly too, I really get excited at the number of people that come back and get through multiple animals without having to sharpen the blade. And that to me is, that's just cool, man. You know, if there's, if there's one thing about what I do is, is the part about when other people are excited to either first get it in their hands or the first time they use it. And they're just like, dude, this is the coolest thing ever. I mean, that's, that to me means way more than the money that gets spent, you know, that I, that I charge for these knives. I mean, right. Um, and I guess that's really what I'm into it for is that reaction, you know, so it, it's kind of cool, you know, when, uh, when people get to use them. So I'm excited to try and, you know, I've, I've got this elk hunt coming up and, uh, I got two knives set aside for myself that are, uh, they're, they're about halfway done. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm kind of excited to, to see how this works out. Cause an elk is a big animal. You know, I've, I've never, 
I can't say I've ever got up close and pet one in person or anything like that. So. <laughs> They're huge <laughs> animals. Yeah, that's that's what I'm hoping for. I want a lot of meat in the freezer. <laughs> you, you know, definitely. And as everybody knows that listens to the show, that's what I, I hunt for. I hunt for the meat, you know. Um, I'm really excited about your hunt. But before we get into your hunt, your knives, I just, you know, mm -hmm. I'm a big, big fan of your knives. I own several of them. I've traveled all the way to South Africa with them. Um, yep. It's absolutely an, an essential part of my kit. Um, and not to do a, a shameless plug or anything of that nature, but you also just started a new website, coolbeansknives.com. Yep. They finally so, got the website going. So if you guys are interested in a Mark Bean custom Damascus knife or kitchen knife or hunting knife or or want something just custom made, he can do just about anything and everything. Go visit coolbeansknives.com. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, check it out. Oh. absolutely all right so hunting season you mm -hmm. and i went on our first quote-unquote adventure a couple of weeks ago you came out to help me with an uh archery uh deer tag that i had unfortunately we weren't able to harvest but we had a great time together was you a told me, yeah it was it was awesome and you told me you had this cow elk hunt coming up tell tell our listeners what that is and what's going on because i'm excited for this hunt so I've, I've been wanting to hunt elk for quite some time. Uh, those of you that are familiar with Arizona know that tags are a little difficult to get out here. Uh, we just got a very large amount of people hunting in this state um, or wanting to hunt in this state and a limited number of stuff to, uh, to hunt. So cow or uh, elk tags are a little diff difficult to get. Um, I did get drawn for a cow elk tag up in a unit uh to the eastern side of the state unit 27 um it is definitely a steeper high elevation hunt which is cool um okay. so it's like i got a few things working against me with this hunt uh being that i'm brand new with the hunting have never hunted elk before very unfamiliar with the area the unit that i've got um so i, I guess the biggest thing is i have been up several times driving in the unit learning the area uh, trying to figure things out, just talking to as many people as I can to figure out where they may be, uh, you know, type of terrains, all that stuff. So uh, kind of excited to uh, put this to the test. And I, I hopefully I'm doing a lot better than a lot of the other new guys that just want to say, hey, where should I go and just go there? I mean, I'm kind of trying to do my homework the best I can. So, okay. So hold on, let, let, let's back up here for a second. So you've never gone elk hunting before. Nope. You're going to a brand new area and you're doing it completely DIY. Yes. Why? Okay. Why are you choosing to do a DIY hunt for your first elk hunt versus a guided hunt or something of that nature? Um, I have given the guide thing a lot of thought and I'm not opposed to a guide. I think a guide is a great, great way to do things. Um, I guess when I get into something, I kind of just turn into a nerd about whatever I get into and really want to figure things out on my own. Um, I did look up guide stuff and I'm not saying that they're not worth it, but it's definitely something that's not in my budget at the moment. Uh, all the guys that I've looked into, I mean, it's, let's face it, it it's not cheap to do a, 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 even just a guide only hunt for what they charge. Like I said, I'm not saying it's not worth it. I feel that it is. But I'm also kind of on the fence, like, okay, I got six days to get something figured out. Uh, and so that's kind of my thoughts on the, on the deal. Um, I really do. Part of me still wants to call it and get a hold of a guide and say, just, can I just pay it for a couple of days, you know, type of thing. Right. But I'm just, I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a cheap ass. I'm not sure. I just. No, I, I get it. Cause I have an elk tag. I was very fortunate enough to draw an elk tag in Arizona as well. Yeah. It's a late season tag. Um, and when I was shopping for guides and I had some friends in Arizona that I called and asked about guides and so on and so forth, everyone that was recommended to me had like great credentials and, and a, a great, you know, um, a great system. But 
they're you're right they're not cheap i mean they're they could be very expensive from, five grand for the week five, i i talked to one that was like eight grand yeah. yeah and so they and is it worth it if you have the money and you have a limited window to be able to do your hunt i think absolutely if i had an extra you know five eight grand whatever to, to yeah. spend to ensure my you know better chances of, of a successful harvest sure yeah. but you know let's be honest you know five grand eight grand ten grand that's a lot of money to us and, and to the average person that's i mean yes. that's a ton of money right so so with that being said though when you go out with your buddies you're, you're all going out you're like-minded you're learning the areas where you're hunting i kind of feel like even if you take away, you just have tag soup at the end of it and you don't get to get your harvest, right? Do you, are you able to walk away learning a lot from it? And so that the next time you get the opportunity to go out that you have your, your chances of success, chances of success are a lot greater at that point. Right. Right. Um, and I guess that's kind of, to me is, yes, I want the, yes, I want the elk. Yes. I want the meat. Um, but let's face it. If, if I spent five grand, I get a guy that goes in there and he puts me on something. That, now, once again, that's just it's not a guarantee you're going to get something. Um, then, you know, that's just that money that you spent and the chances of getting it. Whereas if I go in and learn it and spend the entire time myself, cause I've got, I can stay up there the whole entire hunt. Right. right. I don't have to be back. Um, I guess the way I look at it is if I fail, then I'm going to drive across the border of New Mexico. And I'm going to go buy somebody's steer off their property and I'm going to have it butchered. So I guess that's, I don't know. I guess I, I almost thrive off the learning aspect and trying to figure things out on myself. Um, and the other side of that coin is what was, what helped make that decision is that I had the time to get up a couple of times to learn the area and learn and look around and find the signs that they're there and all that. So part of me, once I made a couple trips up there, started getting that comfort of, okay, I know they're here. I, I can hear them. I, I mean, I had cows, I had two different cows respond to a cow push call late at night, you know? So it's like, okay, I can see where they poop. I can see their tracks. I'm finding where they're getting their water. I'm finding where they're hiding out type of thing. Um, I can get them to respond to calls. So obviously they're there. So I'm, I'm leaning on the more confident side to where it's like, okay, I don't feel like I have to have a guide because I I'm learning, you know, I'm actually seeing You're in the vicinity. Yeah. Um, and now, it's a rifle hunt. Make, it is a rifle hunt. Okay. And I'm really, uh, trust me guys, I can shoot and hit targets and everything at very far distances. I have every bit of confidence on my shooting abilities however my goal is to still shoot something 500 yards and in um i feel that that's a very safe bet and it's very ethical um and i mean i've got you know a rifle that's just amazing 300 prc rifle that'll just shoot you know whatever wherever i want and all that stuff but so I guess that being said is like, even at 500 yards, it's still quite a bit of distance. Right. Um, so I guess, I mean, if you look at it from all these aspects, that's my biggest reason for not doing a guide is just all that combined together just puts me at a confidence level that it's like, okay, I can do this. I can pull this off. Um, you and, know, I, I don't have a lot of seeing animals. I mean, I feel like glass and I can find stuff that's bedded down, find stuff that's, dude. you know, you have eagle eyes. Your your eyesight is like freaking amazing because you glassed up that deer when we went on my archery hunt at what twelve hundred yards that was bedded down under a tree that looked like a branch to me. Thirteen hundred and fifty yards bedded under a tree. Dude, I, I I stared at that. You know when you put me <laughs> on it, I stared at it for like a minute. I'm like, I don't see what the hell you're seeing. And you had to give me, you you know, you're like, gave me a better description. And right. I was like, that's, that's not an animal. And then I saw it flicker and I was like, holy crap. How the hell did you see that at 1,350 yards? It's just, uh, you know, take the time to uh, look for stuff that's out of place. 
And it's just training your eyes. And where your hunt was, that that type of terrain, that high desert with all the junipers and all that stuff, that's the kind of crap I'm used to looking in. And I feel more, way more confident looking in that stuff. Like that, that type of terrain to me is easy where stuff that looks out of place to my eyes pops up really easy. And then you get to where my hunt is, man, it's all trees and forest and pine and uh, aspen trees and stuff. I'm, I am lost. I'm not gonna lie. I am lost. I'm learning it because I've been up there a little bit, but still I'm like, wow. So, um, and I will say, uh, let's throw a little shameless plug in there. Six hour kudos on those 10 K binos. Cause <laughs> yeah. that was the coolest thing ever when I grabbed Travis's binos and pinpointed where that deer was with your little laser rangefinder spot and GPS thing. That is freaking rad. I've got to get me a set of those. Dude, those, yeah. So what he's talking about is the the new Sig Kilo 10K laser range finding binos with uh, applied ballistics in them. They have a function in there where if you have um, an animal that you spotted, you can actually range that animal and connect it to your base map app on your phone, and it'll drop a pin to that to where you ranged. So when you range that animal you were on the hillside and we were walking in and you got us within 50 yards of that pin and told us that that deer had moved about 50 yards. Otherwise we would have been right on top of that pin. And yeah. it was, it was, <laughs> that was huge. Cool. That was so freaking cool. That was, I, I couldn't imagine like when you, I mean, being able to just locate wherever you're going for, I, that technology is just unbelievable and how accurate it is right you know i mean absolutely unbelievable that and that was an archery hunt so getting as close as possible was absolutely necessary um you know not that it's not necessary in all aspects but with a rifle you don't necessarily have to get within you know 20 30 yards or whatever right with a rifle 100 200 yards you're absolutely confident with that with a clean shot but it's you know that the technology to put you right there is insane so so i'll be curious as to how stuff works uh up at my hunt uh the terrain is a lot different um it's very steep hills you don't have a lot of distance because of that i mean if you shoot from one hilltop to the other it might be a 400 yard shot but man the the amount of time it's going to take to go down one hill and back up the other is going to be nasty um Ah, so that's why you invited me. You need help hiking it out once you shoot it. <laughs> I do have, uh, just to save us all grace on that, if it's too bad, I got a guy's information that's got mules. He'll come in and haul it all out for us. So. <laughs> I'm, not afraid, I'm not afraid to spend the money on that. That's the that's worth it to me. Um, right, right. You know, I'm not exactly the, uh, th- those that know me in uh, person and everything know I'm not exactly built for hiking. I'm not worried though. I, it's, it's not bad. It's a, uh, the elevation is a little, little high up there, which is fine. Just, you know, you just got to go slow and take your time and um, don't, don't rush anything. Right. Cause that's right. uh nobody wants to shoot an animal when it's running anyway, cause it makes it taste like crap. Yeah. You want so, them relaxed and they don't, you don't want them to know where the shot came from. Just drop them. But no, it, it's, it's pretty rad. Uh, Travis, I can't wait till you get up there in that area for the first time. Cause the, the country is beyond beautiful. I mean, it is just gorgeous. Um, I, I just can't believe how untouched it all looks up there still. So that's that's the cool part about Arizona is when most people think about Arizona or they hear about Arizona, they you know they hear how hot it is and how crowded Phoenix is and and all that kind of stuff, and they think desert, right? They think yeah. just crazy desert. But when you get into some of the northern parts of Arizona, like where we hunted, it was there's a lot more green. Um, and then you're saying that northeast part where your your unit is it's straight east. It's it's um kind of almost middle of the state on the very east edge of Arizona, New Mexico. All right. So it's straight, okay, gotcha. So tell me the plan. Like I, I know that. I'm supposed to be at your house on the 12th of next month. What's what? What's the plan? What are we doing? 
how how are we going to make this happen? You you tell me. I'm just I'm here to be another set of eyes and and pack out whatever I need to help with. So um, you may have a passenger driving out with you from California. My cousin. Oh sweet. Okay. Along. So uh, the plan is obviously you guys get to my place. We all jump in my truck with the camper and head up the hill. Um, uh, without the camper, it's about a four and a half hour drive to get there from my place. So it's not horrible. Um, no, it's not bad. So we are, the hunt starts on the 14th. So the plan is to get up there a little over a day early so that we can have time to set up camp and do all that stuff. And then basically one last day of scouting, like the, uh, so the, the plan is to get up there, have a day of scouting around, just making sure that we've got the areas figured out. And then at that point, I've got all kinds of places marked off on my, uh, on X deal of places that I want to be able to glass from or check out. Um, I've got actually several spots. They're just higher hilltops that I can get some, some view of the land. Um, and I guess in a nutshell is to get that day early to try and hear them or see something so that opening morning, we can hopefully be right on them. Um, and then the, plan is to basically get up opening morning and literally be on the hills like two to three hours before daylight before daybreak just so that we've got time to listen for them and hopefully hear them and know that we're close enough that there's got to be something close by um and those that are listening if, if you guys got some tips or tricks that you're sitting there hearing me going dude you're a dummy go do it this way or that way or you know, Hey, you're right on it. Whatever. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, let, let, let's be honest. This is your first cow elk hunt, right? I've yeah. been on a, on a couple of cow elk hunts with Paul Dallin and Terry Diston and, and, and some buddies that know a hell of a lot more about it than I do. And right. I just, I follow their lead. Right. Um, right. So we're kind of doing this very blindly blind, but educated blind, if that makes right. sense. Right. Yeah. So it's going to yeah. be exciting. I'm. Oh man, it's going to be fun. And uh, all else goes, whatever. So the, the difference is going to be, I'll take some bottles of whiskey. And if <laughs> we're all just hanging out and not getting nothing, it's going to be the cheap stuff. Okay. We get all that hauled out, dude. I got some really top-notch expensive stuff we're going to break out. So Hell um, yeah. it'll be, <laughs> that's, that's how you know, man. If I, if I break out the uh, the good stuff, you're like, all right, we're really having fun now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, so I don't know. I mean, as far as that goes, if, you know, at worst case, now it's just you and I. Now, I do have possibly some other Arizona friends that might show up over the weekend, right, to help out a little bit. Uh, Josh Reese says he might show up. Yeah, I, Josh said that there's a possibility he might show up. I would love that. I mean, Josh is a Josh is a serious badass when it comes to all yeah. this kind of stuff. He, don't don't anybody let that guy fool you. Yeah, yeah he's, he's he's Mr. Mountain Man. Um, yeah. I'd love to see that guy up there because, uh, and you know what would be super cool is, you know, maybe my plan works and opening day, I pop a cow and then everybody shows up just to hang out and party afterwards, you know? <laughs> like, That'd be awesome. Right? Um but, you know, it's just one of those deals that uh, I guess I'm just trying to, I'm really, really super excited to try out all this information and this stuff that, you know, reading and talking to people and whatnot. Um, and it's pretty wild. So when you start talking to people, uh, the difference in attitude when, when you ask somebody questions about what you're doing or anything of the sort, uh, when people find out that you've been doing your homework, you've been going scouting, you've been up there, you've been doing your thing. Uh, I will tell you that people are a lot more um, willing to give you information and willing to help you out. But because I, I see a lot of people that in my position and all they want to do is ask everybody where to go and what to do exactly right to a T. Well, it just feel like that there's a lot of people out there like, Hey man, I put in my time. You need to put in yours before, you know, start giving you all the information and it makes a big difference. So those of you in my position 
do your homework, get out, do the scouting and, you know, figuring things out a lot on your own. And you will find that people are way more willing to give you more information and help you out even more when you're not just asking for freebies. Okay. So now my question to you, right, we're going to play a little bit of a devil's advocate. There are people, humans in general, hunters, non-hunters, whatever, that are absolute lazy asses. Okay? Yes. They, don't want to, they just want to ask the question like you're talking about. Yeah. But there are also some people that don't know where to start to find that information. There so is how, how did you start? Like, where did you know, how did you know where to start your research to figure out where to go in that unit once you got that tag? Because I, I think there's hunters that want to learn, but don't know how to start, if that makes sense. So the first thing that I started doing is, well, I guess... Let's back up a little bit. I've been in the wilderness a lot throughout my life. Um, and knowing that majority of animals are going to be wanting to hide and be out of sight from humans. Okay, well, animals still need certain things. They need room to do their thing. And they need water, right? Um, food source. So if you start putting all that together, what makes a lot of sense to me when you look at an animal, area like where I'm going is you're going to have water and food sources in the meadows in between the trees. You're going to have the space for those animals to do their thing, right? Um, they might not be doing their stuff during the day, but they're going to be doing it at night. Um, and they're, it's not like they're going to travel far away from a food source or water source. I wouldn't think I, mean, I could be wrong. So I guess with all that being said, I'm, I'm just kind of trying to figure out I know this might sound kind of dumb, but if I was an animal, where would I want to be that was comfy and plush and full right. of food and water, right? And so the first thing I did was start looking at the area, start looking uh, top, you know, topo maps and satellite imagery and studying the terrains. Like, uh, first off, okay, now you get all this stuff where you've got your meadow, you've got your water source, you've got your food sources. Okay, we've got that. That's great. Now, how can I look at those without being spotted by the animal? Obviously, I need some high ground. So that's where the topo maps also come in handy. Then you can study and say, well, I, look, I got a meadow here and I can be on this hilltop here that's 300 feet higher than that meadow or whatever it might be. You might only need 100 foot. I don't know. Um, and then so I guess that being said, I took the time to pinpoint out areas that's like, okay, there's all forest forest land here with all these things that I'm thinking about in mind. And the next step then is to just to go there, just to go there and show up. And can I access these areas? Right. That's another part about a lot of these hunts that people don't realize is that you also need to have access to get to where you want to go. Um, and so I guess with that mindset, that's probably the easiest way to kind of start. Um, you know, don't be afraid to buy a paper map, you know, go get those nice U.S. geo, you know, U.S. geography maps, whatever the, the good quality uh, right. paper maps. Well, if you're going to be any backcountry, you should always have a paper backup with you. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. These stinking electronic devices we rely on, um, even at that point, carry extras. You know, if you've got a GPS, you've got your phone, you've got whatever, there's plenty of stuff out there that doesn't weigh much that you can use, right? But most importantly, I guess, to answer that question, Travis, I I just have a way of breaking things down in my mind and analyzing, trying to simplify whatever I'm doing, right? So that's that was the big thing for me. It's just, like I said, find the, you know, water, food source, and, it's, you know, so you get these meadows with this real thick forest stuff around them. They got, they can walk right out of that meadow and be hidden in minutes, you know? Right. Um, so it kind of makes sense. Um, it's amazing that such a large animal can disappear yeah. just like that. It's, oh I mean, gosh, yeah. it's it, insane. That's a lot of the guys that I've talked to say the same thing. They're like, yeah, it's a huge creature and it's super elusive. So, um, and I, and so with all that being said, so I made my first trip up there. I started finding these areas like, okay, cool. And I'm finding elk tracks and deer tracks and even bear. I mean, I found some really cool bear tracks up there. Okay, um, so pack, pack the 10 mil just in case. <laughs> right? uh -huh. <laughs> Firearm handy. Uh, 
you know, it, so when you get into these areas and you start seeing the, the wildlife, I mean, take your time to beforehand, do the homework, look up what elk poop looks like, what elk tracks look like, deer poop, bear poop. I mean, all that stuff. That is all stuff that you want to know ahead of time, right? Um, if anything, just to give you information, if you show up in an area and it's just littered with, you know, bear turds and bear tracks, probably not a good area to be, you right. know? Um, but then you show up to an area. Unless like you got the, a bear tag. Well, right. Unless you got a bear tag. Yeah. <laughs> well, like this last trip up though, like, so now I've kind of started narrowing down where I want to be, right? Because of all this. Um, and I'm kind of dumb, I guess, in some ways that I want to go to where everybody else isn't. So uh, a majority of people are lazy. That's, that's the bottom line. They're not going to hike that super steep hill to get to the good spot or whatever, because they can sit in their truck and road hunt or whatever. What, if, and I'm not against any of that stuff. If that's what you want to do, kudos to you, right? That, that's your thing. I'm all about though. It's like, why don't I get to where everybody's not and hopes to have an easier chance? Well, some of these areas that I've found, uh, I get in there and I mean, I'm stumbling across, I don't know, how many mule deer were around us i mean separate you know several several mule deer um wild turkeys we've one spot where we found antelope i mean if all these animals are in there and they're chilling and they don't look like they're bothered by anybody there wasn't you know that was the the last day of archery season i was there and here i am with all the animals and stuff around me and all these hunters running around and all these other areas i'm like well obviously these animals don't care that i'm here because they're not pressured right but that was still just for me, it was another sign that like, okay, this area is tougher to be in and there's probably going to be more there, you know? Um, so, and then I started doing my homework about elk calls, like the bugles and the, the cow elk noises that they make and like, okay, I got this part. I'm hearing what the stuff sounds like. Uh, so I went ahead and took the time to buy some calls and start practicing how to use them. Oh, and, what'd you, well, hold on. I, I've never done an elk call. What'd you buy? What, tell, tell me what you went for. So, uh, I can't remember the brand of the elk bugle call, but it's uh, so a lot of guys are using those little reed mouth calls and then they put the tube up right. and do them. Um, I didn't feel like I had enough time to really learn how to use one of those good. So I went ahead and just bought like a simple one that has the built-in reed and mouthpiece. Okay. Uh, because I'm not looking for, I'm not looking for a bull. So I wanted to learn what they call, I guess, a, an elk a locator bugle. It's a little bit different where it's more of a relaxed, you know, hey guys, I'm out here chilling. Where are you guys at type of thing, right? Not, right. not hey, I'm making this noise because I want to come kick your ass. Right. right. And take all your girls, you know, type of thing. So <laughs> I, I wanted to learn that one. I guess a lot of it, I, I don't know if I'll use that one or not, but uh, it does piss all my dogs off and the family doesn't like it when I'm in the house running around doing that. But whatever. Oh, no, I, I want to hear it. Can, can we get a sample for the podcast? <laughs> let, let me grab this thing real quick. Dude, I, I want to hear it. Now, now, you guys, don't give Mark a hard time. He, he's just learning how to do this, but he said he got some action already from a couple of cows responding. So, so, all right, I've got a cow call. I'm trying to remember where I put it. Um, give me one quick second, Travis. Let me, yeah. I think I know where No worries. No worries. This is going to be awesome. I can't wait to hear this. All right. So I got a couple different ones. So I got that elk bugle call, and then I got what they call, it's just a little elk uh, cow push call they call it okay and the cows unlike the bulls the noise that they make and correct me if i'm wrong anybody out there but it's just kind of almost like a a light little bugle and grunt so the little push call is pretty easy it is literally just a little tiny call with a rubber balloon on the back and all you do is push it so you just kind of slowly going with the thing that's all it is. Okay. All right. And that apparently, from what I understand, that noise travels a long damn way. Huh. Um, and so when I was up this last trip, I stayed up after dark and just hung out on a hilltop in an area that I thought I could be. And I was on one side of this hilltop and I did that one little call like that. 
And within about 15 seconds, I heard another, like a, a call come from another direction. No kidding. And I was like, yeah. and apparently that's just the cow elk's way of just talking and saying, Hey, you know, what, what are you guys doing? Where you at? You know? And so I was like, well, that was pretty damn cool. I was kind of like surprised to hear that. And I thought, well, hopefully it wasn't a hunter messing with me, you know? <laughs> so I went to the other side of this hilltop, uh, which was probably about a hundred yards to the other side of it. And I waited 15, 20 minutes and I did that call again. And I had another cow respond from the other direction. So it was two different cows. I mean, there's no way they traveled that much space in the amount of time that it, you know, took. Right. Um, I mean, maybe they're faster than I think. I don't know. But anyway, it was obviously a different cow that responded. And so uh, my cousin was with me, you know, on this scouting trip. And we were both just blown away. Like, wow, we can't see them, but we see all the signs that they're there. And then get them to respond like that. You're like, I must really actually be doing doing this right to know that you know that they're in here so it's right. really really exciting so um now the the elk bugle call uh, you guys are gonna laugh at me i'll give this a shot here in a second um from what i understand is it you're not trying to do a hey i'm pissed off one you just want like a locator uh from what i understand the you can still have the bull elks there and they'll have their all their cow elks with them so sometimes you can get them to talking just to know where they're at. Um, and then, then you got a pretty good chance that there's going to be cow elk around hanging out with the bull, right? Uh, now, the, like I said, the, the elk bugle call, it's kind of a goofy deal with just a crinkly tube and a mouthpiece on it. Um, let's see if there's a brand on this one. I can't remember what it is. All right, so you guys prepare to be laugh laugh at me here, but oh yeah, baby. Uh, just it's supposed to be just a nice, easy, chill, kind of a little bit longer with a very little grunt at the end. Uh, everything I've seen on YouTube and online. So let's see if I can do this. That's probably a little bit goofy, but you get the idea. It's just <laughs> it's very nice high pitched. It, it is. And, and I, everybody, I always heard about elk bugles. I always expected like this manly grunt, like yeah. deep deal, but they're, you should look them up on like just YouTube, the stuff or whatever, Google it. And I was blown away at those giant, large animals make such a high pitched uh, type of noise. I, I you know, I, I guess I never paid attention to up until now. Interesting. Yeah. Cause all of the ones that like I've heard from different hunting shows and stuff, yeah. They seem more, and, and it might be just a different type of call that they're doing. Um, right. They seem like deeper and, and I don't know, it's, it's weird. It just sounds different, right? It could be the, the difference in calls, like you're saying. It could be, it could literally just be the audio from my laptop, you know, could, yeah. talking on whatever. But um, all the stuff I look at is it's kind of a lot higher pitched than I expected. Now, like I said, I could be doing it completely wrong. And then, and that's part of the reason why I may not even mess with that bull uh, bugle. Up right. there. The, the cow elk push call, it's pretty straightforward. It does it on its own. You yeah. just push the balloon and, you know, don't push it too fast. Don't push it too slow. And it seems to give you that nice little noise and the little grunt at the end. And it's like, all right, so and being that I had some cows responding, it must work. And I'm sure that everybody and their brother has these stinking calls, I'm sure. But the, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm a little bit, like I said, still new to this stuff, still learning it. And if I totally botch it and screw it up, whatever, I still learned. Right. And <laughs> so, um, I, honestly, the idea for me is to hopefully not have to use those calls at all, right. just to be able to listen and say, okay, it sounds like they're fairly close. And then hopefully daybreak you can see them and you know get within a reasonable distance and shoot right. you know um so it, it it sounds like i mean kind of recapping the scenario you're going to have your trailer so we're we're not going to be roughing it by any means if you have your trailer out there so right. that'll be nice because we'll be enclosed and whatnot um it's mid-october so are we expecting yeah. cooler temperatures because i know we're all going through a, a heat wave right now so 
I would imagine it's probably going to be. So when I was up there, now I was doing a bunch of raining while I was up there. It didn't break 60 degrees. Okay. Was, it's still going to be pretty so I'm expecting probably 50s and 60s during the day. Um, okay. Probably 40s during the night, you know, possibly a little chillier. Uh, you know, I don't expect that we're going to have to return in the heater on in the camper by no means, but you right. know, it's going to, it'll be chillier than we're used to. I mean, for crying out loud, it's a hundred degrees at my house right now. Yeah. It's the same out here in California. It's a hundred yeah. degrees this week. Um, we're going in with your 300 PRC. What, so tell us about your rifle build. Cause everyone's going to, you know, going to want to know that. Um, it's so I do build all my own rifles. Uh, a lot of that just, once again, wanting to learn in depth of everything I do. So this is a uh, Stiller TAC 300 action okay. with a, a Lilja number five uh, fluted barrel on it, uh, eight, nine twist, um, and a McMillan uh, carbon fiber A5 stock with the light fill. Um, and that one has a Bushnell DMR3 Pro Elite Tactical on it. Nice. Uh, nothing super fancy. Uh, it does have a Dead Air Nomad LT uh, titanium suppressor on it. Um, so nice and quiet. I don't yep. have to wear earplugs. Uh, that rifle, it's pretty lightweight. I don't want to think with everything on it, I just changed the stock out to that new one. It might weigh maybe 13 pounds. More than likely, it's probably about 12 pounds. Um, and I am a real big advocate of doing custom hand loads for everything I shoot. However, we are actually going with the uh, Hornady uh, Black Box Hunting 212 ELDX ammo on this one. Nice. Okay. So I'm actually going to use factory ammo. Uh, honestly, it... it I bought the ammo because I needed some brass. And I found that ammo and I was like, oh, I'll just shoot it and use the brass. And I started shooting them like stuff shoots exceptionally well. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was, like, why would I bother shooting this stuff up and reloading when I, it already shoots so dang good? So, right. um, you know, I mean, uh, technology's come such a long way that we can really lean on, on all these manufacturers of producing a nice product, right? Uh, so, uh, I get a lot of people that I know that do shoot their stuff and, uh, and it works. So why yeah. not? I just you know? used that precision hunter ammo, uh, on my hunt in Hawaii on the axis deer and yeah. it, it shot great. Yep. Yeah. I seen the pictures you posted of your bullet recovered bullets and stuff. And I was like, man, how can you argue with that? Right. Obviously drops them. It does what it's supposed to. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a bullet ballistician by any means or anything that sort i mean i just shoot a lot right? right and that's all we got to go by um but i'm i'm impressed with the ammo so i'm i'm obviously very simple setup with what i got uh nothing super fancy and uh you know but it does work well so you know and, and that's the thing right is people get people get caught up in the simplicity or they get comp caught up in the complexity of a rifle you oh, yeah. is what what you feel comfortable with and what's going to you know maintain your confidence in your gear and if you're confident in your gear it doesn't matter if it's the right. most basic grandpappy's rifle from 30 years ago or if it's a new tricked out chassis yeah. hunting rifle it's what you're comfortable with well and, and the thing of it is though is there is a comfort level that you need and we all want to be confident with the stuff working and being accurate and all that. So um, no matter what you use, make sure it's adequate for what you're doing and what your realistic goals are with it, right? Right. But more importantly, get out and use it. Get that rifle out and shoot it. Don't just get one box a year through that rifle. There's no point in that. I mean, you you want to be so confident. Uh, I mean, I've already, like this rifle, it's, it's not a competition rifle by any means, but I have... Uh, I mean, I don't know, it's probably got 300 rounds through it already, you know, within the last six months. Which is more I mean, than I, a lot of people put in a lifetime. Right. And, and I'm not worried about burning the barrel down or anything like that, but I want to be, I, I want to know enough about that rifle to where I'm not afraid 
to use it in any situation. Uh, one thing about the NRL Hunter uh, matches and even uh, field match or, you know, that type of competition stuff in general will teach you ways of using your equipment that you never thought was really possible, right? Um, I'm a huge, huge supporter of like tripods and, you know, shooting off of them or using them for support or any of that stuff. There's, there's so much of that stuff that goes on and, and the NRL Hunter will damn near take any situation or any terrain and make it almost like an easy shot, right? Um, when, when you look around and think about the, I mean, trees, rocks, tripods, bipods, whatever you want to use and turn that into an easy situation. So that's another part of getting your rifle out and using it is understanding what that's going to do in given situation. How is it going to react when you shoot off a tree branch or off a rock or off a tripod, well, you know? That, that's part of ethical hunting, right? Is, is understanding yes. and knowing what your capabilities are, not only with your personal self, but your gear's capabilities. Because, hundred percent. You know, I mean, if you're not if you're not comfortable and capable to use mm -hmm. a certain piece of gear, uh, why are you putting an animal's life in that situation? Right. right? Go go and learn how to do that at the range or at a you know at a match at an uh, whatever. Go yeah. learn and practice that before you take that out because if oh, you yeah. don't and you try that on an animal, you're not being ethical. That's not ethical. You might get no. lucky and hit that animal, but that's really luck, not ethical. You know, not you shoot that animal in the butt or in its guts, and it's got to go suffer for hours and hours or even days before it you know dies. I don't know. I mean, I like to think I'm this you know big badass hard guy and a guy, but I'm not. I don't want to see that you're stuff a teddy suffer. Bear. You're a big-ass <laughs> big teddy bear, bro. Come on. We all I know. know. But it's just one of those deals. So I uh, I see a lot of people that, that do that stuff. And the other thing is, guys, too, is for those listening, when you are into your hunting stuff, um, make sure you're zeroing your rifles from more than just a bench, sitting at a bench, because you never, ever are going to shoot that way in the field. At least zero it prone or something different, you know, something more along the lines are going to be zero. Cause I don't know, those of you that are not in the competition world might not realize that your zero actually changes on your rifle, depending on how you're using it. And there's a lot of us from the competition side that, that see these differences and know that our zero may be different shooting off of a barricade versus prone versus a bench or whatever. Right. Uh, I mean, know that, but I'm just, I guess that's something as, as far as that goes to you. So, uh, I just can't stress that enough to a lot of people, you know, just because I see that mistake made all so often, right. uh, you know, uh, but anyway, so, you, you know, that that's why the rifle side of things, I'm not too concerned with that. I mean, it's, it's paying more attention because we're going to be in woods and cover and things like that. Make sure we're paying attention what the wind's doing at the tops of the trees or whatever, uh, 500 yards and in with the rifle that I'm shooting, I'm probably not going to have to deal with wind. However, um, what if, what is, what is that off chance that maybe we can't find what we need and we have to shoot something a little, you know, I got to shoot something a little bit farther. I better be on the ball with that stuff. And, uh, hopefully, I, uh, learn the wind stuff from my uh, mentors the best I can. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not only that, but we can get some freak weather in there and, and all of a sudden we have, you know, 20 mile per hour winds. We've been in, yeah. know, I've been in Arizona with 35 mile per hour winds and I'm sure you've yeah. seen greater than that right so you just you never know so you want to be comfortable in those situations because oh 100 percent, and that's yeah and that's that's what i'm hoping that it, no matter what we get into up there um i mean it is just like a lot of the high country areas i mean i know it's the hunts what two and a half weeks from now but you know what happens if a little snowstorm rolls in or any of that stuff i mean it all changes everything right it does. Uh, we don't know yet because we don't know what the weather's doing. There's been a lot of weird weather stuff going on lately. Um, True. I mean, so, so I guess all that being said, I mean, it, for me, a lot of it is, I guess I'm really hung up on the, the learning aspect of it all in general. Anyway, just to recap all of it is that's my thing is I just get really nerded out about figuring things out in depth. Right. Um, and, uh, I mean, it, it's, I'm really, as, as much as I'm not built for it, kind of really looking forward to getting up some, some of these hills and stuff. 
Um, I did buy some trekking poles because oh, yeah. I figured, you know what, maybe it's a good idea to have this kind of stuff. My, my cousin had some with them and we hiked up this hill that was, I mean, it was pretty dang steep, you know, when we were out scouting and he had trekking poles with him and I'm like, man, that sure made things look a lot nicer. So, <laughs> you know, when, they, when you guys come to these uh, NRL hunter matches and us match directors tell you that we want all your gear stowed. This is the reason why guys is because when you're out hunting, like on this deal here and I'm hiking up this hill, I've got my pack, I've got all my gear, everything I need. The rifle is going to be stowed as well. I don't want to carry that thing. I want it to be accessible, but I want all that gear on my pack where it's supposed to be. Let's do the least amount of damage we can to our bodies. Right. And, and have fun while doing it. Um, so that was my thought. It's like, well, if I get these trekking poles and I can actually hopefully utilize that weight up and down these hills, um, cause I know I've never killed an elk before, but from what I understand, if I do, that's a lot of meat and they're heavy, very heavy and a ton of meat. Yeah. So the first cow elk I, I harvested, I shot, I took the hide, I took everything right we gutted it and then we brought i brought the whole animal back obviously it's gonna be very difficult if you want to bring the whole animal back but are you planning to to skin the hide and take all that or you haven't thought about any of that yet because the hide alone from what i understand i mean that that's pretty heavy so uh my my intent is to yes i want the hide okay um i want the skull i know it's a cow i don't care it's my first one it will get done up and hung on the wall Nice. Um, and of course the meat, I mean, you got the big four quarters, any of the rib meat you can get the back straps, the tenderloins, all that stuff. Uh, and I have been watching tons and tons of YouTube videos, how to do this. So I hope I got it all down. Um, and, uh, the, Dude, the big thing, if, is, if it's just you and I, if it, if it's just you and I, we're calling mules, cause that's going to be a oh. lot of weight. <laughs> so the cool thing about that unit is the areas that I've got picked out, they're they're pretty hard to get into. Um, but I think I've got access. I don't think we would have to haul anything more than a mile. A mile so, with a couple hundred pounds is a lot. Right, but that's like worst case scenario. Okay. Right? So that's worst case scenario. And so, like I said, that's a lot of it. It's just going to be determined on if, when, where it happens, all that stuff. Yeah. You know, get in dress the animal out, get it hanging in the trees, um, you know, whatever we got to do to get it safe. And then, yeah, if we need to, we'll call the mules in. Um, a mile you know, flat is not a big deal, but a mile in the canyons can be. Real oh yeah. It's, and I fully expect that weight to be an issue in some of these areas. Uh, a lot of it's just going to be, I mean, trial and error, just see what happens. I, I really, I just don't know. 100% yet. And part of that thrill of uh, the unknown is I think what's getting to me of like, yeah, this is going to be fun, you know. Um, <laughs> but think about it from another aspect. It's like the bragging rights of we hiked that freaking elk out on our own out of this. Right. And it's like, <laughs> then, then it just makes you feel that much more, you know, accomplished, I guess. So more manly. <laughs> and, and, you know, <laughs> that's how we get hurt thinking that way, right? Yeah, this is true. But uh, no, like it's, yeah, there is still definitely a lot of unknowns about all this. Um, I'm not scared by any means. I mean, I'm excited. I'm not scared. I'm excited. I think it's going to be super exciting. Um, And uh, yeah, so I mean, with all that being said, I mean, I'm not sure what else there really is to go over with that stuff. I mean, it's kind of like, I guess it's kind of straightforward, really, if what, you know, the plan is. Well, I mean, I don't, we think it's straightforward, but we're always going to get thrown a curveball, right? And that's just, we just have to be as prepared as we can be for the unexpected. Um, We keep talking about maps and scouting and things of that nature. If, If you're not familiar, we're not, you know, we're not sponsored by any of these map companies, but I know both you and I both use Onyx. Um, quite a bit. Um, I like base map because it syncs to my SIGs. So I definitely have base map. Um, So if you're new and you haven't used one of these applications, you absolutely should get one of these applications because they have 
not only the maps, but they have a tracking feature, uh, which yep. Mark just showed me how to use a couple of weeks ago, which is a lifesaver if, if you get lost. Could yes. definitely definitely be a huge asset. Um, but if you're scouting and doing e-scouting, like on the computer from home and things of that nature, like Onyx has an, uh, a website, you can do all the same stuff and it all syncs together with your account. Or yep. if you can't do any of that, you're not, you know, can't afford it. Google Earth is another great option as well. Um, you know, but the biggest thing that I think Mark is trying to get across is, is learn, you know, do your homework before you go out there. Because if you go out there with, without doing homework yep. and not knowing what you're getting into, you're kind of, you're wasting your time or you're praying to get real lucky. Well, and that's, with this all being a new area, um, one of the things that you should, I feel like is important is to landmark, right? I, I'm a huge person of figuring out landmarks, something that you can identify that if I can find that landmark, I can get back or I can, you know, know where I'm going. Um, it's not always possible. Some of that stuff you get in there and it just all looks the same. You get over one hill and you get turned around and you're like, oh my God, where I'm at. So right. uh, Onyx, Google Earth, um, base maps, all these have tracking features in them. I highly recommend I, every time I get out of my truck, I hit tracking and I start recording my direction wherever I'm going so that and I know it's an electronic device. It's still man-made designed to fail all that crap. And if you've got, you know, if you can do redundancy and do two even better yet. Right. Um, but most importantly, just do your best to at least record while you're going so that if you do get turned around, uh, you know, some of the stuff may take, you know, miles of hiking to get to. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to tell you right now, when you get into some of these terrains, it might take half a mile to make you lost. Right. You know, you, you can get turned around so stinking fast. Um, especially with some of the stuff with talking about wanting to, you know, get into areas in the dark. You, you've got to pre-plan that out and have a trail to follow in the dark. Otherwise you can't see anything most of the time. I mean, unless you got good moonlight and stuff, but in these areas where it's just really thick forest and everything you don't have a lot of landmarking or anything to see you don't have a light to see or this or that i mean it was uh um i, I can't stress that stuff enough of having some redundancy of finding your way back and yeah. uh, traveling in the dark is a lot more dangerous than traveling by day so oh, yeah it is there there was a fire in this unit i believe in 2011 um you know so here it is over, over 10 years ago, a big fire took this whole area out. Um, there's a lot of new growth, a lot of old growth, uh, along with a lot of trees that are downed as well. So you're also not only hiking up and down hills, you've got a lot of downed trees you're going over and all that stuff. So um, it really, you know, you, you, it starts taxing you and making you a little more tired than, than you're used to having to climb over stuff while climbing and things of that nature. Right. So it does, you know, that comes and plays an import, important part too, as far as finding your way in and out of places. Um, paper topo maps and a compass are worth their weight in gold. Uh, I know most nowadays, nobody knows how to seems know how to use that stuff anymore, but learn it and learn it. That is, there's a reason why that stuff's still around and it works is it really does work if you know, know what you're looking for um, learn it it doesn't take that much i mean at the information age of today with google and all that other garbage there is anything you want to learn about that stuff is out there so right um, i'm just fortunate enough that i've dealt with that stuff all my life and understand it you know maybe not to the degree that a lot of guys do but enough to at least not get myself lost right right and that's the thing right as long as it's as long as you know how to use it it's not dead weight and yeah. if it saves you yeah. a half hour, it saves you, you know, whatever, it saves your life, it was worth whatever that, that weight was or that knowledge, right? That time that you spent learning how to do it. Yeah, for sure. So no, man, I, I know uh, I know you're super busy with orders and things of that nature. And I appreciate you being on the show today. It was kind of impromptu. Hopefully, um, this will be a, a part one of a two series because after the hunt, we'll we'll come back and either tell you about our tag soup or tell you about the the fun adventure. Either way, it's going to be a great adventure. We'll let yeah. you know how things were, um, but we appreciate you guys tuning in today and being a part of uh, the podcast. Mark, I appreciate you and everything, and I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks and making this adventure a reality. It's going to be a ton of fun, brother. 
Oh man, I'm excited, Travis. I can't wait, man. We're gonna have a lot of fun. So That's thanks all for listening to my jibber jabber and all that stuff. And uh, like I said, anybody's got anything, feel free to reach out and say, dude, you got to do it this way or whatever. I'm all ears. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> all knowledge is, well, not all knowledge, but knowledge is knowledge. It's good. So yeah, yes. share, share. Um, you guys, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. Until next time, be safe, keep shooting, and we'll see you all in match. Take care.